0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today.
1: Good morning, everybody. You know, last week we finished this series called What Do I Do If? And it was a series about marriage and really all of our significant relationships. And I need to tell you that we received as much feedback in that series as we've received in any series that we've ever done at Southside Church. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for encouraging. Thank you for your follow-up questions. And I do want to kind of uh, encourage you to go back and watch that series again. I think it's one of those series that would be helpful again and again, or maybe you missed a week. Go back to the podcast, go back to southsidelife.com and catch up. And I do want to thank Corinne for speaking with me all four weeks. We got in this really cool uh, rhythm. We would preach our sermon and then we would go to Dairy Queen and we would get uh, brownie dough blizzards, which are incredible by the way, and then we would hang out. So today after I preach, maybe I'll go get a blizzard, but I don't think it'll be as fun all by myself. But anyways, I want to say thank you to Corinne. And speaking of Corinne, I am so excited to tell you that Corinne has written her first book. It's called Wake Up, Walk On. What a cool title, right? It's a reworking of some devotionals that Corinne wrote for our church last year during Lent. And they were just so incredible and so amazing. We got so much feedback on it that we really thought that we needed to publish these in book form. And it's going to drop any day now. So what I want you to do is I want you to text the keyword BOOK to 604-670-3040. And we'll make sure we put you on a list so when those books arrive, you will get yours. I told Corinne that I was going to tell everybody that she was going to actually sign the first 100 for the first 100 people that bought the book. And she told me, that's weird. And I said, no, it's not weird. And so we're currently in negotiations. If you're in the first 100, there is a decent chance that Corinne will sign uh, your book. We don't know exactly for sure yet. We'll see what we can do. You know, back when our oldest son, Lucas graduated from high school, he accepted a scholarship to go play college basketball on the Canadian prairies at a little school called Briarcrest, home of the Clippers. And as happy as Corinne and I were for Lucas, it was kind of a hard transition, you know? Like to kind of put it simply, one-eighth of our close-knit Manis family had taken up residence 1,600 kilometers away. And the truth is, we missed him. And for me, I also missed uh, basketball with him. From the time that he was in grade five, I was his basketball coach, and now he was away. And not only was I not coaching him anymore, but I really missed just being in the gym and and, and watching him play live. And so in November of that first year, I flew out to Briarcrest, and I watched two games, Friday night, Saturday night, and then I flew home. And I got to tell you, looking back now, it was an amazing trip. And you know what's funny as I say that is I don't really even remember whether the team won or lost, And as a real competitive person, that kind of surprises me. I assume they probably did because like it was a really, really good team that ended up being the number one ranked college team in the nation later on that year. But I don't actually remember whether they did or whether they didn't. There are three things that I remember really clearly though. Number one, I remember being really proud. Like I went out there and I saw Lucas making that transition from being a boy to being a man. And from what I could tell in those early stages is that he was doing a really good job of it. And number two, I felt certain. Like I was absolutely convinced in being there for the weekend that Lucas was exactly where God wanted him to be. Like what an amazing team that was looking back. So Lucas played a lot of minutes. But actually, he was the only first-year player who played at all. Everybody else on that team who played were fourth- and fifth-year guys. And what, what they had done is they had all come back, gathered at Briarcrest to finish off their basketball careers. Because they all loved each other and they loved God. And it was such an interesting group of guys. One of them was a guy who had been a competitive bodybuilder. And then he became a college basketball player. And after graduating from Briarcrest, listen to this. He got his PhD in theology from Oxford University. So he was a pretty well-rounded guy. Another, guys on the, another one of the older guys on the team was a guy named Kenny Bays. Kenny Bays, he was an uh, athletic and talented wing player who really took Lucas under his wing, almost like a big brother to him. And to this day, actually, Kenny is a great friend of our family. A few years after he graduated, Kenny married an equally amazing young woman. And they are currently living near Calgary. Uh, Kenny works for the Calgary City Police. And he's a Montreal Canadiens fan. Other than that, he's a really, really good guy. And there was another guy on the team, I remember, he went on later on that year to win the award for National College Player of the Year. And a few years after he graduated, he actually became the head coach of Briarcrest and recruited Lucas's younger brother, Gabe, to go play basketball at Briarcrest. So I just remember feeling so convinced that this group of guys was exactly who Lucas needed to be with. And finally... I was just incredibly grateful. It was just amazing to me to be there and just watch the story of Lucas Manus begin to unfold, 1600 kilometers away from home. And I knew, I knew, I knew that there were so many more chapters to be written and there still are, but I could tell even back then that the story was gonna be a good one. And I was still thinking about that when I jumped on a plane to fly home. I had a whole road to myself and so as we began our descent, I slid over to the window and I looked down. And it's always an interesting perspective, isn't it? Looking down on this world that we live in from up there, from up above. Everything looks kind of miniature. Like you look and you see these little toy cars lie driving on this little toy road beside these little toy parks. And there's all these little houses, you know, apartment buildings and townhouses and trailer parks and mansions on the hill. And it's really amazing because I thought about it in that moment that in every one of those cars... In, every one of those parks, in every one of those houses, stories are playing out. And just like the story of Lucas, and just like the story of me, and just like the story of you, every one of those stories matters a lot. Every one of them is different, right? So complex, so intricate. Highs and lows, and ups and downs, and good and bad, and some chapters are just amazing full of love and belonging and acceptance, strength and faith and confidence, success and achievement, fulfillment and satisfaction. And some chapters are tougher. Some chapters are chapters of loneliness and separation and alienation and isolation. Some chapters are chapters of weakness and fear and regret and failure and shame and longing. Every story is so complicated, every story is so intricate, but it's amazing to me because in every one of those cars, in every one of those parks, in every one of those houses, there are stories playing out and every one of them matters. In fact, let let me take that a step further and let me get really personal with you for a second. Your story, the story that you are telling with your life, your story, matters a lot. Let me read this out of Psalm 68. It says this, sing, O kings of the earth, sing praises to the Lord. There he is, sky rider, striding the ancient skies. Listen, he's calling in thunder, rumbling, rolling thunder. Call out bravo to God, the high God of Israel. His splendor and strength rise huge as thunderheads. I want you to think about that just for a second that the God who spoke the universe into existence, the God who strides across the ancient skies, thought you up. You're his idea. And, and here you are in the world. And, and, and that God, that, that God who strides across the ancient skies, he has a plan for you, he has a purpose for you, he has a path uniquely designed for you. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that God looked at history. He looked at our world. He looked at the universe and he decided what this world could really use right here and right now would be you. God says your story matters a lot. And I think sometimes in life we miss the best things because we're waiting for the big things that sometimes we miss the significance in the simple because I really believe that destinies are actually being shaped and altered in your day-to-day life that there's miracles on your Monday morning that your life matters a lot let me explain it this way if you're a parent you understand this the life that you live has a profound impact on your kids You don't need to be a parent. Anyone who works with younger people or anyone who's a leader, the life that you live has a profound impact on the people around you. Now, you notice how I didn't say the instructions you give, the rules you impose, the lectures that you deliver have a profound impact? Sure, there's a place for that. There's a place to impose rules. There's a a place to give instructions. There's a place probably at some point to deliver lectures, but please keep it kind of short if you could. But all of those things pale in comparison to the power of your life lived. In other words, here's what I'm saying. The story you tell with your life is exponentially more powerful than the story you tell with your mouth. That makes sense, right? I don't think that's really big news to anybody. And yet it's surprising because I hear parents all the time say things like this. Do what I say, not what I do. What an interesting thing to say do as I say, not as I do. It's, it's right up there with saying, what comes up will not come down. In other words, gravity doesn't exist. So whether you walk around saying, do as I say, not as I do, or whether you walk around saying, what comes up does not come down, I'll tell you, you are on your way to a big crash, and it's going to be painful. And here's really why. Because the story that you tell with your life is exponentially more impactful than the story that you tell with your mouth. Maybe you've heard the quote before that sociologists say, you become an average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Maybe you've heard that quote before. And if you've heard that quote before, you've probably heard it in this context. Somebody has been telling you, you need to be careful about who you hang out with. You need to be aware. You need to be strategic. You need to be intentional. Like if you want to have a good marriage, hang around with people who have a good marriage. Makes sense, you know? If you, if you want to be a great parent, hang around with people who are great parents. If you want to win with your finances, hang around with people who win with their finances. That makes sense. But for today, here's what I want to do. I want to kind of flip this whole idea around. Listen to this. It is important that you understand that the five people that you spend the most time with have an impact on you. But I want to suggest this to you, that you are in someone's top five. You are probably in more than someone's top five. In other words, for somebody else in the world, for somebody else in the world, they would say that you are one of the five people that they spend the most time with. And the question is not, will you make a difference in their lives? That's not the question at all you will make a difference. So the only question is this. What kind of difference will you make in their life? Like, Will they become more generous because they hang out with you? Will they become more wise because they hang out with you? Will they become a better spouse because they hang out with you? Will they be a more encouraging parent because they hang out with you? Will they become a deeper thinker because they hang out with you? Will they laugh more because they hang out with you. Will they forgive more easily, because they hang out with you? Will they speak well of others because they hang out with you? The question isn't, Will you make a difference in their lives? The question is this: What kind of difference will they be because they hang out with you? Because here's the mind-blowing thing: You're in their top five, right? And you're making them different. And then they're in other people's top five who are in other people's top five who are in other people's top five. If you understand finances a little bit, maybe you've heard of the law of compound interest. Today, I want to suggest that there is a law of compound influence. In other words, your life matters a lot because the story you tell with your life is exponentially more impactful than the story that you tell with your mouth. Let's imagine that six months from now, so would that be July of 2021 let's imagine that in july of 2021 that no matter where you're watching this from you'll be able to go and eat at a restaurant won't that be amazing and so let's imagine that in july of 2021 you walk into a restaurant and you have breakfast and after you have breakfast you leave the waitress a really really generous tip and when i say generous i mean like really generous like take your normal generous tip and add a zero that kind of generous So the first question is this, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Well, maybe you were just raised by really generous parents and their generosity rubbed off on you. Or or maybe you hang around with some generous friends and you've been inspired by their generosity. Or maybe it's as simple as this. You've been reading through the Bible and you're not a perfect person, but you've been following in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus. And little by little by little by little, as you follow in his footsteps, you become more and more like him. And Jesus is the most generous person who's ever lived. Okay? So you leave the most generous tip that you've ever left. And then you walk out of the restaurant. And now the next question is this. What now? Well, that's a tough question. Because it's a law of compound impact again, isn't it? Like, so many things could happen. Millions of different pathways. But let me just talk about three possibilities. So, so let's imagine possibility number one. That when you leave that really big tip, that for this particular waitress, it starts her off on a positive role. If you've ever served, you understand this. Like, sometimes if you get a really good tip at the beginning of your shift, it puts you in a good mood. And when you're in a good mood, guess what happens? You get more good tips. You can go on these incredible roles. Okay, so you started that kind of incredible role for her, and she has a day. Like, I mean, and then another day and another day, and she goes on a roll. And let's just imagine for a second that back in 2020, she told her kids that when this whole thing is over, this whole pandemic, these whole lockdowns are over, and we're allowed to travel again. I know that it's been years and years since we've been on a vacation, but we're going to go on a vacation. And it's the end of July, And it's summer holidays, but her kids haven't asked her about it. And the reason why they haven't asked her is that they know how hard she's working. And they know that if she could take them on a holiday, she would take them on a holiday, but she just can't. So they don't even bring it up, but they remember it. And let's just imagine for a second that your tip started something that gave her hope, and she got to take her kids on a holiday. And you say, well, what does that really matter, Mike? I don't really know, but I do know this that history is shaped one life, one story at a time. Or how about this? How about you walk out and she gets that tip and she goes on a roll and, 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 and it's such a good roll that day that she decides that she's gonna take the next Saturday off and the reason why she's gonna take next Saturday off is because she wants to watch her daughter play soccer and her son play basketball. Okay, they've been playing for years but she's never had a chance to watch because she's always working. She asks them about the games later and she, she supports them that way, but she's just working all the time. But she makes a decision that day that she's going to go to her daughter's soccer game and her son's basketball game that next Saturday, and she does. And let's imagine that at her daughter's soccer game, her daughter scores a goal. And maybe it's the only goal that her daughter will ever score. You say, why is that? I don't know, but it is. Or she goes to her son's basketball game and he scores a basket. And maybe it's the only basket that he will ever score. You say, why would that be, Mike? I don't know. And afterwards, they get to go out as a family and they celebrate and you say, what does it matter? I don't really know. But I do know this. History is shaped one life, one story at a time. Or maybe it's something like this. That one morning, this waitress wakes up July of 2021. And she looks back at the last 18 months, like so many of us, and she says, man, this has been so difficult. And she just has this feeling of being alone and being isolated, defeated, desperate. And she talks to somebody, maybe, maybe it's a South Sider. And the South Sider says to her, you know what? There's a God who spoke the universe into existence who loves you so much. And even if you feel alone, You're never really alone and you can always call to him and he'll help you and she wants to believe it but it just seems too good to believe and she thinks about that and the weeks go by and one morning she wakes up and she kind of gets up she finally gets up the courage to pray she hasn't prayed since she was a little girl and she says god i want to believe you're there i want to believe that you love me. I want to believe that you'll help me and my kids. I just need you to show me. And then you walked into that restaurant and God whispered to you, add a zero, and you did. And you say, what does that matter? I don't know. I don't know exactly, but I do know this, that history has shaped one life, one story at a time. It's the law of... compound impact when you make that apology that's been overdue for 10 years but you decide you're going to do it anyways i'm not sure but i am sure of this that history has shaped one life one story at a time it's the law of compound influence it's the law of compound impact right like i got a couple friends that just even over the last couple weeks have checked themselves into treatment centers what does that matter that after years and years and years of fighting with an addiction, they decide that they're gonna go one more step and they're not gonna be controlled by this substance, by this behavior anymore. What does that matter? I'm not exactly sure, but it matters. It's the law of compound influence. It's the law of compound impact. Because history has shaped one life, one story at a time. You know, years ago in Los Angeles, there was a billboard and it said this, you're not caught in traffic. You are traffic, isn't that amazing? You're not caught in traffic. You are traffic, and I think it speaks to that part of you, that inclination inside of me that 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 wants to kind of assume or live our life as if, well, I'm a very important person, and I'm living a very important life, and I just need to get my very important self to some very important places. But the only thing that's holding me back is traffic. Well, what's traffic? Well, traffic is just the rest of the human race. So the rest of the human race, really, what it comes down to is they're just an impediment to me being a very important person, living a very important life, getting my very important self to some very important places. And what happens before we know it is we have this inclination inside of us that says this, like, that, the, the story of my life is the epic adventure of me. And then everyone else in the world just needs to figure it out. Stop being traffic! You know, just just... Just assume the background role, the bit character in this story called the epic adventure of me. And it's just so sad when people give into that. It's right up there with believing that what comes up does not come down or that you can walk around saying, do as I say, not as I do. It just doesn't work because God has a plan for you that's so much bigger and so much better than that. Bigger, because when you live your life as if the story is the epic adventure of me, what's the size of your life? It's the size of you. And God has something way bigger for you than that. And God has something way better for you than that. I want to release you today from that bondage, from that that pressure of living as if it's the epic adventure of me. I want to suggest to you that God's got something way better. I remember near the end of 2019, I was looking ahead to 2020. 2020. And I really thought that I was the first one that thought of this, okay? I thought like 2020, 2020 is like an optical term, right? It's like, it's like a vision term. It's like clarity. And so I started saying stuff like, man, I got, I got a vision for 2020, that 2020 is gonna be a year of clarity. And, and isn't it funny because we walk through 2020 and at the end we go, well, <laughs> that didn't work. That wasn't clear at all. That was just chaotic and confusing. But you know what? I'm not so sure. Because in some ways, 2020 was an incredible year of clarity for me. In 2020, I came to this realization more clearly than I ever have in my entire life, that the story of my life is not the epic adventure of me. That the story of my life and the story of your life is being a part of God's story. See, because God's writing a story on the pages of history. And it's a story of hope. It's a story of eternity. It's a story of joy. It's a story called redemption. You know what I mean when I say redemption? That the lost will be found. That the old will be made new. That the broken will be made whole. And God writes this story called redemption by taking my story and weaving it with your story. And sometimes like our our, our stories weave really closely together, like maybe a husband and a wife, but other times maybe it's just as simple as this, just as simple as this, just leaving an extra zero on that tip, and we never know, but here's the thing, that God's writing this story called redemption, and he's weaving all of our stories together, and it's beautiful. I love the way that Jesus said said it in Luke chapter nine. He says this, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Listen to this. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? Isn't that incredible? That God's got something so much better for you than this epic adventure of me, finding you, the real you. He said this in Luke 6, for if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. I guess... What I'm trying to say is this, not like, Hey, look, you can't live the epic adventure of you anymore. It's not very nice. Be nicer to people. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, uh, God's got a plan and it's the right plan for you. The real you for experiencing the hope and the joy and the strength and the peace and the fulfillment and the purpose that you were meant to experience. And here's what it is. It's your story and my story weaving together to make a beautiful story called redemption. And it's the life that we were meant to live. It's the story that we were meant to tell. It's hope and it's joy and it's purpose and it's redemption. And that's where my story and your story come together. You know, if we ever had a chance to sit down across from each other face-to-face, I would almost certainly ask you to tell me your story because I really would want to hear it. It's probably so interesting. You've done some crazy things in your life, I bet. And I would ask a bunch of follow-up questions because here's one thing I know about you. Your story matters a lot. But the chance is I might never get a chance to sit across from you face-to-face. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to do this series. And I wanted it to be my gift to you. So I want to tell you some bits and pieces from my story. And I know you and I are very different people, but what's crazy about it is that we go, as we go through this series, you're going to see that there's all these things that we have in common. All these things that resonate with me that also resonate with you. And here's the reason why. We're weaving a story of redemption. God's weaving a story of redemption with our lives together. And so that's my dream for this series. That's my gift to you in this series because here's what's going to happen. What we're going to find as we talk about simple stories and relate them to God's plan is we're going to tell, we're going to begin to step into the story that we were born to tell. The hope, the peace, the joy, the strength, the redemption that we were born to live. So just before I close, I'm going to talk about that word just for a second. This story called redemption. See, here's the amazing thing. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross and rose again for you. That's redemption, do you understand? The old will be made new, the lost will be made found, the broken will be made whole. See, because Jesus' body was broken on the cross, it meant that we could become whole, that we could go from lost to found, that we could come from old to new, that we can move past our past into the future. And because Jesus rose again, what it means is that we live in a state of wholeness, We live in a state of newness today, tomorrow, and honestly, forever. And the best is always yet to come. And man, I want to see your story weaved in with that cord of redemption. And it starts by just accepting what Jesus did for you through his death and resurrection. That he died and he rose again so that we can be redeemed. So if that's you and today is the day you want to say, man, I want to start living that story. I want to start living that story. I want to start making the impact that I was born to make. It starts with redemption. If you want to invite Jesus into your life, man, I would love to lead you in a prayer right now so you can pray silently along with me as I pray out loud. So dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that my story matters to you a lot. So much so that you stepped into human history for me, that you died for me, that you rose again for me. So today, Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. I pray that you would forgive my sins and heal my hurt so that I could move past my past into newness. And today, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord, that you could bring me to a place of found, to a place of wholeness and joy and strength and redemption today, tomorrow, and forever. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. if you just prayed that prayer for the first time it's amazing it's amazing i love it i'm so glad that god called you to be here today to hear this message so if you prayed for the first time could you just take a moment to text the keyword life l-i-f-e to 604-670-3040 look and we're we're not looking to stalk you but we are looking to support you because guess what when your story flourishes our story flourishes we're all in this together. And one last thing before I hand it over to Corinne. You know, for about the last 2,000 years, people who kind of follow the way of Jesus, part of our story is to go back and to remember again and again what Jesus did for us through his death and resurrection. And one of the ways that we do that is something called communion. So I'm going to hand it over to Corinne right now and she's going to walk us through this incredible part of the Christian story.
0: Today we are going to do communion together as a church family. Communion is something we are commanded to do as believers, as a way to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made by dying on the cross for us, bridging the gap between us, sinful humanity, and God. When Jesus died for our sins, He made it possible for us to be reconciled to God, which means that through the cross, Jesus made a way for us to be brought back into relationship with God the Father a relationship that had been broken since the time of the original sin when Adam and Eve rejected God and went their own way. This may be the first or the hundredth time you have taken communion. It doesn't matter. The only requirement for taking communion with us today is that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for your sins and rose again. In other words, take part in communion today if you have asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life and are taking steps to follow Him day by day. If you haven't yet gathered the supplies you need to take communion, please pause this stream and take a couple of minutes to get what you need. Traditionally, red wine has been used for communion, but for today, fill your cups with any type of beverage that you have at home. It's not important what is in your cup. The important thing is that we remember that it represents the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for your sins. In addition to a small cup of beverage, gather a small piece of bread or cracker for each person. This represents the body of Christ which was broken on the cross for your sins and mine. Once you have gathered the supplies, continue the stream and we will take communion together. Let's read together from the Bible from the New Living Translation. This passage summarizes beautifully what the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ means for you and me personally. As we read, think about his sacrifice for you and the difference that sacrifice has made in your life. Let thoughts of gratitude fill your heart and mind as we listen to these words together. 2 Corinthians 5, 15-21 He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who had never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Take a moment of silent contemplation as you thank God for sending his son Jesus to the cross so that we and anyone who ever chooses to can be brought into relationship with God and become a new creation. During this time, thank God for the difference that Jesus has made in your life specifically. Now I will guide us as we read from Scripture and take communion together. This passage is from 1 Corinthians in the New King James Version, chapter 11, verses 23 to 25. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together now. Let's continue reading now with verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Let's drink the cup together now. We will end this time today with a final moment of silent contemplation as we remember with gratitude the death and resurrection of Jesus that changes everything. Amen.